News Nation this hour. I'm James Sears. Russia and Ukraine agree to meet in person today to discuss ending the month-long invasion. While yesterday, President Zelensky accused the West of cowardice as his country continues to fend off attacks. News Nation's Marky Martin reports. An exasperated plea from Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky Sunday morning. Partners need to step up assistance to Ukraine. Asking for more fighter jets and tanks as his country continues to fend off Russian advances. The weekend has been rife with attacks, like this missile strike on a fuel storage facility in Lviv. Another strike with sea-launched missiles destroyed a depot in Plasetsky, just west of Kiev, where Ukraine stores air defense missiles. A top Ukrainian official said Russia was trying to split the nation in two, like North and South Korea. President Biden is expected today to propose a new tax that would go after billionaires when he reveals his 2023 budget proposal. The billionaire minimum income tax would charge a 20% minimum tax rate on households worth more than $100 million. Half the revenue will come from people worth more than a billion dollars. The proposed levy is forecast to cut the deficit by roughly $360 billion in the next decade. China today locked down Shanghai and its 26 million people to control a growing COVID outbreak there. It's the biggest citywide lockdown since Wuhan in early Early 2020, residents must stay home and deliveries will be left at checkpoints. Coda is taking home Best Picture at the Oscars. The movie about a culturally deaf family won every category it was nominated for, Best Supporting Actor, Best Picture, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Meanwhile, comedian Chris Rock is not pressing charges against Will Smith after the actor slapped him on stage at the Academy Awards. Rock made this joke about his wife Jada and her bald head. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane too. Can't wait to see it. All right? Jada shaved her head after revealing she had alopecia, which causes hair loss. The Los Angeles Police Department issued a statement saying they were aware of the incident and that Rock declined to file a police report. The Academy later tweeted that it does not condone violence of any form. The Final Four is set. Kansas will battle Villanova on Saturday, while Duke will take on bitter rival North Carolina for the first time in the NCAA tournament. The winners will square off on Monday, April 4th for the national title. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and on the News Nation Now app. I'm James Sears. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Before leaving Poland Saturday during a speech in front of the Castle Palace, President Biden said Russian President Putin cannot remain in power. The White House was quick to walk back the comments saying Mr. Biden was not suggesting a regime change. On NBC's Meet the Press Sunday morning, Ukraine ambassador to the U.S. Oksana Makarova says Putin has his sights set on something bigger. This war is not only about Ukraine and this brutal aggression that is going on for 33 day, days now in every city of Ukraine, and especially in cities like Mariupol yeah. and uh, north of Kiev and Kharkiv and others. It's the brutal genocide attempt to eliminate or exterminate Ukrainian nation, but also you know, attack on democracy, attack on anyone who wants to live peacefully in their own country. Meanwhile, Turkish President Erdogan had a phone call with Putin on Sunday. He said the two leaders agreed the next meeting between Russian and Ukrainian officials should be held in Istanbul. Also at srnnews.com, thousands of patients in the Ukraine receiving life-saving medicines through the Alliance for Public Health, showing how American assistance continues to reach individual Ukrainians on a different level from U.S. diplomatic and military support. The jobs picture comes into a clearer focus later this week. Payroll processor ADP releases its March employment report Wednesday to be followed Friday by the official government report for March. The February unemployment rate stood at 3.8 percent. 
The March Consumer Confidence Index is due Tuesday. That report is of interest because of the major role that consumers play in the health of the U.S. economy. Data on construction spending, manufacturing activity, and housing prices also scheduled for release in the coming week. Rich Thomason reporting. This is SRN News. Christian schools have seen a surge in enrollment thanks to the pandemic. As kids have been at home and parents have been more engaged with what students are learning, they're really, for the first time, getting a really inside look at, at their not only what they're being taught, but how their students are learning. Dr. Lynn Swanners with the Association of Christian Schools International. Parents are realizing the value of their being engaged in their child's education, and certainly private schools, but particularly Christian schools, have that as part of their mission. About 2 million kids have left the public schools. California Governor Newsom signing a new law to make abortion cheaper for people on private insurance plans. The measure eliminates things like co-pays and deductibles. It's the first of more than a dozen bills that Democrats are planning to pass this year, expanding and protecting abortion, even as the Supreme Court considers a case that could restrict or possibly overturn Roe v. Wade. SRN News. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich leaves his mark on the modern GOP. Newt Gingrich, a GOP icon from nearly 30 years ago, is making an impression on the modern GOP as Republicans gear up for their 2022 midterm season, confident about taking control of the House and aiming to flip the Senate. The former Speaker who toppled the Democratic House majority in the 1994 midterms spoke Wednesday to House Republicans at their annual policy retreat in Florida and was there again Thursday. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said in a press conference on Wednesday that Republican leaders limited the number of outside speakers at the retreat this year, but of those he did want to have speak, Gingrich was number one. Bernie Bennett reporting. Mississippi on track for its largest ever tax cut. The Republican-controlled House and Senate voted Sunday to pass the bill that now heads to Governor Tate Reeves' desk. The bill would start in 2023, reducing the state income tax over four years. More at srnnews.com. Here is your roller coaster weather forecast. Monday sunny with a high near 35. Northwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Monday night partly cloudy with a low around 22. North wind 5 to 10 miles per hour becoming northeast after midnight. Tuesday partly sunny with a high near 43. East wind 5 to 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Tuesday night rain after 9 p.m. Low around 37. Southeast wind around 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Wednesday rain, mainly after 3 p.m. High near 67. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Wednesday night rain. Low around 43. Chance of precipitation is 100%. Thursday rain likely, mainly before 9 a.m. Mostly cloudy, with a high near 46. Chance of precipitation is 60%. Welcome to 2022 Talks, where we are following our democracy in historic times. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. President Joe Biden called for the removal of Russian President Vladimir Putin Saturday, but the White House later attempted to reframe and partially walk back the statement, telling multiple media outlets the president didn't endorse a regime change in Russia. The comment came as Biden was on the tail end of an emergency trip to Europe where he met with NATO allies to discuss the war in Ukraine. 
The United Nations reports nearly 4 million refugees have fled Ukraine since late February, mostly to surrounding countries. Representative Jeff Fortenberry of Nebraska announced he's resigning. Fortenberry was just convicted of lying to the FBI about taking illegal campaign funds from a foreign billionaire. The Republican had lost support from a key ally, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. I think uh, he had his day in court. and I, I think if he wants to appeal, he can go do that as a private citizen. But I think when someone's convicted, it's time to resign. The New York Times reports Fortenberry could face 15 years in prison for three counts of misleading investigators. Pressure continues to mount on Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas after a recently released text between his wife Virginia Thomas and former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows revealed she encouraged attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee are calling on Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from any cases involving that election. Speaking of the Supreme Court, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson has wrapped up her confirmation hearings before the Senate's Judiciary Committee. She's awaiting a likely final vote of approval from the committee on April 4th, after which her confirmation will go before the Senate. Alabama State Representative Wandalyn Gavon, president of the National Organization of Black Elected Legislative Women, says unfounded criticism of Jackson is likely to quickly fade in the light of a historic movement. This is a day that we never thought would happen. This is a dream deferred that ultimately came true. We feel this is our moment in time, and you can't take away someone's moment in time. More than 4 million people have signed on to an AARP petition urging Congress to lower the cost of prescription drugs. The request comes just a few months after pharmaceutical companies raised the cost of more than 800 prescriptions by about 5 percent. In a news conference last week, Wisconsin Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin pointed out that Americans pay, on average, three times more for the medicines than folks in other wealthy countries. In 2020, one in three Americans saw their out-of-pocket medication costs increase. That has real consequences, and that needs to change. More than 80 percent of respondents to a 2021 Kaiser Family Foundation poll indicated they'd support allowing the feds to negotiate prescription drug prices with pharma companies. I'm Jonah Chester for Pacifica Network and Public News Service, and Suzanne Potter contributed reporting. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. From Feature Story News in London, I'm Ollie Barrett. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky says his country would discuss neutrality as part of a peace deal with Russia, but he says it would have to be guaranteed by third parties and put to a referendum. Peace negotiations are due to resume between the two countries later in Turkey. Lee Rini from the Kiev Post says many Ukrainians are skeptical about them. I think it's important to note that there are discussions, but... Uh, you know, how serious can they be? It's very difficult to convince Ukrainians that uh, that they can be trusted. If you remember, Ukraine gave away its nuclear weapons many years ago for peace guarantees. And those peace guarantees obviously have not led to peace. So uh, I don't think that Ukrainians right now, at least the people of Ukraine, uh, have very much faith in any peace negotiations. China's implementing its biggest COVID-19 lockdown since the start of the pandemic. 25 million residents in Shanghai are being ordered to stay at home as part of a mass citywide testing campaign. Richard Kimber reports from Hong Kong. Shanghai has been battling a new wave of infections for nearly a month. Last week, authorities ruled out a full lockdown to avoid destabilizing the economy. But a spike of more than 2,500 cases over the weekend appears to have changed their mind. The lockdown will happen in two stages, with the eastern side of the city under restrictions this week and the western side for five days after that. 
Residents will have to stay at home and public transport will be suspended. China is continuing to use swift lockdown measures and mass testing initiatives in a bid to eliminate COVID-19 and try to prevent a repeat of recent large-scale outbreaks in Hong Kong from occurring on the Chinese mainland. Two police officers have been shot dead in an attack in Hedera in northern Israel. Police say the gunmen were Israeli Arab citizens and were themselves shot dead by undercover officers. The Islamic State groups claimed responsibility for the attack. CODA has taken home the Oscar for Best Picture at the 94th Annual Academy Awards. But Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on stage after the comedian insulted his wife. Iris Spitzer reports from California. Coda, the story of a teenager who grows up as the only one who can hear in a deaf family, won the night's biggest prize, the Best Picture Award. The film, which was distributed by Apple TV+, Plus, becomes the first streaming service movie to win that honor. The night's most unusual moment came earlier in the evening when Will Smith smacked comedian Chris Rock across the face on stage in an apparently unscripted moment after Rock made a joke about Smith's wife's shaved head, which is the result of a medical condition. Smith then won his first ever Oscar for Best Actor for his performance as Richard Williams, the father of tennis players Venus and Serena in the film King Richard. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. As White House officials continue to clean up President Biden's ad-libbed comment over the weekend calling for Vladimir Putin's removal from power in Moscow, what is the future for the Russian leader? Today, the thoughts of his first prime minister. Mikhail Kasyanov served in the role from 2000 until 2004, a time at which the Russian leader was first finding his feet and long before the crippling Western sanctions of today could even be envisaged. For Russians, that uh, will be decades uh, of uh, paying out for all these problems Mr. Putin created for the country. Mr. Kasyanov says in reality, Vladimir Putin's fall from power is now preordained. Mr. Putin believes that he could uh, overpress the West because uh, he always saying just that for those leaders in the West, they need to consult their parliaments. They, it takes them just days and days to, to make a decision, to take a decision. For him, it's very easy. Dictatorship, he, he, he taking the taking the decisions early in the morning and the goes 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 on. If uh, uh, Ukraine uh, stand up and continue to, to defend itself and win this war, it means it's already beginning of Putin's era end. And I think that would last uh, at maximum two years. Of course, the manner of his demise remains unclear, nor whether the West will succeed in securing accountability for the war crimes the US now says Russia has committed in Ukraine. I'm Simon Marks. To recap the top stories, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky says his country would discuss neutrality as part of a peace deal with Russia. China is implementing its biggest COVID-19 lockdown since the start of the pandemic. Two police officers have been shot dead in an attack in Hedera in northern Israel and CODA has taken home the Oscar for Best Picture at the 94th Annual Academy Awards. That's the latest Feature Story News. Oli Barrett reporting. Have you ever been bullied? Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been intimidated for your beliefs? So was Jesus. He gets us. All of us. Visit hegetsus.com Hi, I'm Pastor Dole of Heart City Church. Do you ever go through seasons of spiritual sterility? Worrisome winters where devotions seem dead? Your communion 
cold, your prayers impoverished. Listen to Psalm 85 and learn how to pray in such seasons. It begins, You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Friend, in seasons of barrenness, we need to call out to God, reminding Him of who He has been in the past for us. Now you may say, Joel, why does God need reminding? And the answer is not that God is forgetful, but rather we are in such seasons. And God loves it when we remind Him and ourselves of who He has been in the past, when we stand on His promises and show our persistent belief in who He is as a forgiving God. And remembering who God has been in the past then makes us confident to come with our present request. Listen to verses 4 through 7. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Well, friends, spring is here in Indiana, and I recently went out and began to work in the yard where so much is brown and dead. And I thank God that he has established seasons, remembering those garden vegetables he gave me last year. And I look to heaven, and I ask God to do it again. Restore my dead garden, Father. And that's a picture of what this prayer is doing. Asking God to bring about restoration, to revive us who are brown, feeling dead. Why? So that we may rejoice in God and give Him praise. And you hear that last verse? I always love it when I see the term unfailing love in the NIV. That means it's the word chesed in the Hebrew. Other versions will translate chesed into steadfast love or loyal love or loving kindness. That's actually a word they invented to try and capture the meaning of chesed. So what translation is right? They all are. Because it's hard to capture all the facets of chesed, God's multifaceted covenant love for his people that has no bounds and no end. It's so good. We should ask with great expectation for God to show us this wonderful covenant love. And then, the next step in the prayer is to take up the proper posture. Read about that in verses 8 through 13. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in the land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. What an ending. Peace, love, faithfulness, righteousness, glory dwelling in our land. These are all things that we long for. 
and they're all lacking in our present world. The land we live in has been corrupted, and we long to see the harvest. We long for God to fulfill his promise. And the good news for you, my friend, is that God has fulfilled the promise, even though we still wait. Remember how the Apostle John starts his gospel off? Chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory has dwelt in our land when the Word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood in the incarnation of Jesus, the Son of God. The good news, friend, is that faithfulness has sprung up from the ground in the Son, Jesus Christ, as the righteous Father looked down from heaven. And Jesus, in his resurrection from the dead, is the start of the great harvest that will soon come and is one day closer today, my friend. So as we live in the land of the dying and we look around and see all the decay, pray like we hear in Psalm 85, my friend, in this sterile season. God's unfailing love means that we will soon see our Lord Jesus face to face. And when we do, it's going to be wonderful because we will be made like him. My friend, remember who you are and who you belong to. John tells us that as Jesus hung dying on the cross, there below him were three women. And if you listen to Peg, you heard their names. His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene, and Jesus' mother. Some commentators will tell you that as followers of Jesus, these women were taking their lives into their own hands just by being there. Others suggest that it didn't make any difference because no one knows them anyways. They were just women. But the real reason they were there that day was because they loved Jesus so much that that fear never even entered into their minds. But the focus of all this falls on two people, two unnamed people. One lone disciple who we might call Jesus' best friend and Jesus' mother, the one he called woman. When Jesus saw the two of them, he, he looked down and there stood the two people that he, he loved more than anything in the world and his, and his heart was filled with compassion, not only for his mother's grief, but also filled with compassion for her vulnerability. He was worried about her future as a widowed woman. Where would she go? What would she do? Who would take care of her? What's interesting to note in all this is that John doesn't tell us the names of the two most important people in our scripture reading. Everyone else is named, but not these two. And there's a reason for that. I think that Jesus' mother and, and the disciple that he loved are not named because those nameless, faceless people that are standing there underneath the cross looking up at Jesus is us. 
If we could hone in on the faces of, of these two people standing there that day, we would see us, you and me, looking up. They aren't named, you see, so that we, you and I, can see ourselves having the same feelings that they had that day, the same relationship and the same identifying characteristics to Jesus that these two people had toward him. And it could have been the opposite way around, I think. It could have been a, a poor, vulnerable, crippled or blind man standing there alongside a woman that Jesus considered his best friend. The point of it all is that as, as Jesus hung there on the cross dying that day, his thoughts continually focused not on himself, but on the welfare of other people, be it man, woman, or child. So whether it was a, a man and a woman or a woman and a man, it really makes no difference. We, you and I, each and every one of us, are the ones who were meant to hear his words and his instructions that day. We are the ones who are meant to stay close to Jesus, to stay close to his teachings, and having confidence in him and, and trusting in him in the darkest hours of our lives. But we're also meant to be filled with his love and his compassion and, and to share that love and compassion with not just ourselves, but with other people as well. We're meant to be concerned about the welfare of others, to, to stay close to each other and to take care of each other. We are to live and experience the same closeness, the same oneness, the same kinship that Jesus had with his mother and his best friend. The same closeness that's been intended for us since the very beginning of time. We are, as Peter Chardine wrote, to move from human beings having a spiritual experience to spiritual beings having a human experience toward others. And in doing so, and, and in doing so, if we do this, then we are invited into a, a different type of family than we're ever being used to being in. A family not defined by a, a, a bloodline, the type of kinship that, that we're used to being defined by, but a family that brings us close together in an entirely different way. If we go back tight to this global pandemic that we've been through that's, I think, going away as, as I stand here. We were drastically and dramatically challenged in our lives. People were dying. Businesses were closing. People were unemployed. People were running short on food. They, were, they couldn't pay their rent. They couldn't pay their mortgage payments. But at the same time as all this negativity and all this bad stuff, it's also opened up new possibilities or, or new potentials for people to change their lives for the better, if we're willing to change. I read of a speech by Robert Kennedy that he made in 
South Africa in 1966, he was speaking out against the apartheid movement, and he challenged the black students of Cape Town University to look into the future and be, be willing to change their lives. The world, he told him, cannot be moved by those who cling to a present world which is already dying. Like it or not, we live in interesting times. They are times of danger and uncertainty, but they are also the most creative of any time in the history of mankind. And what Kennedy said in 1966 was correct, and, and he would be correct in, in echoing those same words today. We do live in interesting times. As we go through life and as we struggle to survive, not just from this, this pandemic that we've been through, but from life in general, we are continually challenged to find new ways to do new things including dealing with other people. How can we as a people and, and how can we as a church solve the challenges that, that now lie ahead of us? We've spent almost two years in, in isolation, I guess we could say. Will we as a people and we as a church remain in isolation or will we not no longer care about turning inward and, and caring only about ourselves, but we will, will we be willing to open our hearts and open our minds like we've never done before to care for those who are less fortunate and vulnerable in this world? How can we combine the past, the present, and the future in such a way that we can t live the type of life that God expects us to live as Christians? I think as Jesus hung there that day with these two most important people in his life down below him, he offered us a new way, I think, to, to, to grab life by the horns and, and live life to its fullest. He spoke of new ways throughout his entire ministry of, of living together. A new way of being a family that went beyond just blood. If we go back into the 8th chapter of Luke, there's a story about Jesus' mother and brothers showing up while he's teaching in the temple. And, and, and they, they can't get in because there's so many people there. They, they, there's just no way possible. So somebody goes to Jesus and says, your, your, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to get in and see you. Will you come and see them? But instead of stopping and taking a break like I would or probably any of us would, Jesus said, my mother and my brother are those who hear the word of God and do it. He's not trying to be rude. He's not trying to be a smart aleck. He's, he's re redefining the definition, you see, of what it means to be a part of the family of God. Not by bloodline, but by something else. He's telling us that family in the kingdom of God isn't defined by blood. In the kingdom of God, family is defined as, as anyone, man or woman, rich or poor, good, bad, 
ugly, it doesn't make any difference. It's anyone who hears the word of God and continues to do God's will. That's a member of his family. If you remember when Jesus chose his 12 disciples, he chose one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he made a new and radical statement then and, and redefined what it means to be a part of family. In fact, if we go back and, and look clear back in the book of Acts, that's really the defining moment of the church, isn't it, on the day of Pentecost. But in John's gospel this morning, the creation of the church begins at the foot of the cross. In John's gospel, the church begins when the disciple that Jesus loved responded to Jesus' final words and the disciple took Jesus' mother into his home to care for her. That's when the church began. They're not blood relatives, you see. They're not blood relatives. But they've developed a spiritual relationship together with one another through their, through their trust in Jesus. And it draws them together as one and, and results in the creation of a new family. When he took her in that day, then the new family begins. It begins with a community of faith, a community of love, a community of trust. For Jesus, anyone who has faith in him can be a part of this new family that he's talking about. Anyone who declares their, their faith in him and anyone who does the will of God becomes a member of his church community through spiritual kinship. No longer bloodlines. And it's the same person then that becomes an extension of, of Christ's love and is called to all the children who are God's children including those who are different than we are, including those who don't think like we think or believe or look or, or act like we believe, the poor, the, the destitute, the hungry, the most vulnerable of the world, they become part of the family as well. And this Spiritual kinship is why, if we go back and look at Paul, he spent so much time in, in Turkey and Greece because the early Christians insisted that within the body of Christ there were no differences between Jew and Gentile. There were no differences between slaves and free people. There were no differences between men and women. They were all part of this, this new community that set aside all of these all of these human differences that we've been so concerned about all these times. And they focused on building each other up instead of tearing each other down. So they could become, as Paul put it, rooted and grounded in love for one another. This is the kind of family that Jesus called into being as he hung there from the cross. We're all equal, he says, which means we're, we're all family. We share in the love and we share in the joy and we share in the compassion. Not just within ourselves, but we share that with each other. I can remember as I was writing this, having to write that letter that 
told you that Sunday services would be canceled because of the, 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 the virus, the COVID-19 virus. And never in my wildest dreams as I thought about that did I ever think that I would be writing a letter like that to put on the internet or something saying that our services were canceled. But what I wanted to be careful about was saying that the church was closed. I wanted to make sure that, that you and, and the people that watch us on Sunday morning understood that the church building was closed, but not the church itself. The church wasn't closed because we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We make up the church. And we as people, we as, as a Christian community, do not close down no matter what. The mission of the church continues to carry on today. And its message continues to be the same message that Jesus passed on to the man and the woman or the woman and the man at the foot of the cross that day. To love one another as Jesus loved us and to take care of one another. That's the message of the church. This family of ours, this family, us, it goes far beyond those of us who are here this morning. In fact, it goes beyond the walls of this entire building. So do whatever you can to extend the idea of neighbor. Do whatever you can to extend the idea of community and family of all people. All people. Whoever and wherever they are. Whatever we do or fail to do for the least of these is what we fail to do or do for Jesus. It's as simple as that. My hope this Lenten season is that you might take a good look at yourself and reach an understanding with yourself of the things that should remain the same, the things that maybe need tweaked a little bit in your life, the things that maybe are a little bit more serious and you need to have Jesus help you change. Where do you need more abundance in your life? Where do you need more newness in your life? Who needs you to be a family to them? What might I do that will lead me to a resurrection? What might I do to lead me to a, a new life? If we look on the other side of Good Friday, things were never the same for the followers of Jesus and things will never be the same for people like us. They continued to face challenges and obstacles, but they became a new creation. They became a new church made up of so many different types of people. Different people. But they became a new family. A family that continues to grow today. A family called to care for one another.
no matter who they are. May each of you reach out to others. May you be family to one another. And may you be family to all of God's people. Amen.